Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. All right, boys, we're back. I'm excited. It's Pride Month. We're going to have some awesome episodes this month, and I'm really excited to see what happens. But at the top of the show, what I wanted to mention, too, because um, I wanted to give a big shout out to our patrons and the people that have been supporting this show for as long as we've been doing it, um, and the people that basically make it so we can pay our server fees, yeah, pay for our websites, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, so I'm going to turn it over to Nick really quick because we have a new way to support the show. One of the better ways, one of the awesome ways to support the show is patreon.com slash just keep writing. Obviously we've got daily writing prompts and, um, a early access to shows and some other things, um, on the tiers as well. But, um, Nick, what's another way they can support the show. That's also, um, maybe a little easier for some folks. Yeah. You know, it gets a little tiring podcasting once in a while, right? Doing these episodes <laughs> late at night, back to back, you know. And so once in a while, it's nice to have a cup of coffee, which brings us to Ko-Fi, right? So I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> all right. I, I, I got you. It brings us to Ko-Fi. That is Ko-Fi. Um, I'll post our link in the show notes. Um, we've actually set this up to where you literally can buy us a cup of coffee for $3. So it's a small donation and whatnot um, to give out to us. So you don't have to do a monthly subscription. This is a one-time donation um, to us for the show to help show your support for the show. Um, we will have episodes posting on there. Um, basically, any of the same benefits and tiers that you hit on um, Patreon, you can have access through Ko-Fi as well, as long as you donate the equal amount um, for that month. So we'll keep an eye on that and everything. Um, so give it a check out, give us a cup of coffee to support the show and, uh, we'll drink it. And thank you so many times over because coffee is what's needed right now. <laughs> well, and, and on that note too, like for example, uh, the $10 a month tier is the one where you get writing prompts. So if you gave us 10 bucks, I'll figure out a way to get your writing prompts for the month. Basically is what I'm saying rather than go through Patreon. It's totally up to you, but it's a nice way to help us out. Um, so we're just trying to make it easier for folks on uh, their comfort level. So uh, that said, we don't have really conferences and stuff that we do. That's usually what we talk about at the top of the show, but we have, we'll have more about that in the future. I know Comic-Con's coming up in November and there's some other stuff, you know, what is it? Worldcon, December. Um, and then we'll have NaNoWriMo. We'll have all kinds of stuff coming up in the future, but uh, we'll talk about that on future episodes. So, Will, I'm going to just turn it over to you. I'm a little nervous because... Um, I remember how this went the last year when we did this. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to turn it over to you and, uh, and you let us know what we need to talk about for this first episode of pride month. Great. So it's actually going to be my one year anniversary of co-hosting the podcast and oh, it was right. during pride month. Congratulations. So, thanks for being here. Thanks. thanks. Thanks for having <laughs> Why me. Why have you stayed for so long? I just want to know that. <laughs> Do you want the serious answer? Why not? You know what? Let's go for that, Will. Why? Why? why what keeps you just here at Just Keep Writing? No, well, the four of us have met for a reason. This is going to be something that you remember me talking about for years. But there's a reason why we were all coming together. Just remember right. that. I'm really glad we asked for the serious answer. That that made me happy. Thank I you. Got, I may have gotten some butterflies there, guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we definitely, there's a reason that the universe has brought us together and uh, why we're friends and we're becoming closer. And um, that's really the truth of it. So the rest of it, we'll have a discussion later. So the episode that we did last year was episode 37 and it was on pride. And I questioned Marshall and Nick just about pride itself. And we had some good moments um, where we got to talk about a lot of different spectrums. So my first question is going to go to the three of you. And I would like to know what books have you read since that episode that featured um, LGBTQ plus LGBTQIA plus uh, characters? Marshall, you go first. I'm going to go first. I raised my hand. Nobody benefiting from the video feed could see it. I raised my hand. I was very excited because this was this this particular book came on the recommendation of uh, Will and my wife has also read it. Um, and it's a phenomenal book, um, Cemetery Boys. Um, and I just I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that book. Um, the dynamic between the two main characters, um, how they move through the world and what they're their connection and figuring out how to be together and fight together. Um, I just, I really enjoyed that story. So that's one of the ones, the first thing that came to my mind. Amazing. And uh, Nick, which one did you read or ones did you read? This question shouldn't be as hard as it is, but as you randomly just ask it and we didn't have any preparation ahead of time. Sorry. I'm trying to get the right name pulled up. Not just a book three, uh, but of the series. Uh, it's, I believe the series is called Sufficiently Advanced Magic by Andrew Rowe. Um, and the main character is actually in a process of discovering their sexual identity and, and stuff like that. And, and learning about that throughout the series, um, makes them some fantasy items as well. Amazing. And Brent, um, what have you read this year? This year. Okay. Um, well, it's 2020 so what, to 2020 to 2021. Okay, so 2020 to now. Um, okay, so uh, I'm loath to mention this one because the author is kind of proving himself to be a jerk, but I really like the story. Um, Seven Blades of Black had just this really, really great sapphic, torrid sort of romance in it, and it was and I, it's one of those books that's like, I like the book so much and I just hate that the author's an asshole. But um, it was such a good story, though. And um, what else have I read? I've read, recently I read The Unbroken by um, C.L. Clark. Amazing, amazing. Just, just. I'm, I'm, I haven't finished it yet, but it's so good so, so good. far. The, the way it. it just, the way it challenges his um, identity and like, belonging and colonialism just amazing work um which i already knew she was going to do and i told her such so yeah i'm happy to see that um let's see what else i'm looking at my bookshelf people in the that are listening won't realize this but uh let's see what (laughs) else have i read up here that's because i know there's plenty I, i i just can't remember all of them um oh of course, Max Gladstone. Um, I read uh, his um, Ruin of Angels. Ruin of Angels was full of like queer characters, and I, I loved that about him and just how he um, 
he infuses them into their story. So this um, that that won't actually. The cast was nearly all women, I think, with the exception of maybe one or two characters, and there was definitely um, there was definitely a non-binary character in there as well. So he just, I really appreciate how he um, brings that to the forefront. Oh, uh, sin, sin in the still, sin in the still had um, a character that not one of the main characters, but it definitely had a character in there, and she was um, she was sapphic. I read Song of Achilles. <laughs> that was yeah. That's just. God, rip my heart out and then tear it in two and then throw it in the air. Like, that was just such a good book. Uh, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to, like, keep going on. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's some, that's definitely good queer literature out there. And I, okay. I, read, I read Bonds of Brass as well. Oh. And I, I really, really enjoyed that book quite a bit. I may have been thinking about that when it said Cemetery Boys, actually. But um, but anyway, yeah, I, I loved the that book. But, I mean... It was just such a fun adventure, but also like just seeing those guys try to navigate everything at the same time while they were trying to figure out how they felt about each other was awesome. Really I cool. did have one more. Um, Ray Bear, Ray Bear by uh, uh by Ray Bear. I can't remember the author's name right now. Um, there was an asexual character in there who was um who was prominent, and it was done so well, and it was done. You could tell it was done with like with the intention of um, showing, because I think the stereotype that a lot of asexual people run into is that they're cold and they're like standoffish and they're aloof. And this character in that book was loving and kind and just gentle and, and, you know, was just amazingly compassionate. So I, I, I love that, like that character actively fought against those stereotypes. So that's my last one. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, so uh, Ray Bear is written by Jordan Ifuko. Okay, I think that's how you pronounce it. Awesome. So my next question is, Nick, for Nick, what authors have you read that are queer in the last year? That is a very um, good question. And you guys also that you know of that you know that they're queer. Uh, yeah. So Charlie Jane Anders is actually one of the authors that I've read a couple times um, in the last year. And and correct me if I'm wrong on this one. V.E. Schwab. Yes. Yes. That is correct. Yes, she is uh, queer. Both of those were high on my list for this last year. I'm gonna focus on you for a minute, Nick. So with you reading for probably the the first time like really diving into queer authors and with queer characters and especially before you've admitted that like you never really used to read women authors right or with women characters and i've seen this like transformation in you where not only are you reading all of this but like you are completely vibing with the stories and like really enjoying them so i want you to talk about for you and your experience of never reading about queer people and then really reading more and more as 2020 went on and into 2021, what was that experience like for you? Um, so it was, I wouldn't even say it was like an overtly unique experience um, in a sense of where I was like, oh my gosh, they're such great writers and I had no idea because I was being so ignorant. Um, for me, it was more of self-discovery 
and seeing myself in these characters and in these authors' works um, that I haven't seen in predominantly white male fantasy um, that I was reading a lot of beforehand. Um, and I kind of, I'll lightly touch on this one, but like my younger years, my early twenties, like I got told a lot, like, Hey, you're a lot like a girl because you're so emotional. Right. And that's, that's a subject in society that not a lot of people will talk about Like men have emotions and you're okay to express those emotions. And so that portion of me really resonated with these authors and these characters because it was a male who was being emotional and knew what their emotions were and understood them rather than I'm going to be a rough and gruff barbarian and smash his face in with a hammer, ah, you know, um, which I love. Um, but at the same time, I uh, reading more authors and characters in the LGBTQ community um, just kind of really helped align myself better just with my self-identity, I guess you could say. Does that make sense? Or am I rambling? You're not rambling, but I want to talk about self-identity. When you say that, do you mean that you are allowed or given permission to have emotions just as like a straight cisgendered white man after like reading queer literature? Like, do you feel that there's been a difference in the way that emotions are processed in those books of those characters versus some of the straight white male fantasies that you've read? Yeah, the emotions are definitely processed different. Um, and they're more, and they're not just surface level. Um, they're, they're a lot deeper, you know, you know, talk to anyone that knows me. I, I, you know, I'm not surface level emotions. When I talk about things like, you know, there's, I like the, I like the deep talk and discussions, um, of that. So does that answer your question? It does. Yes. Uh, and this, we're going to pause with you and we're going to go to Marshall. So Marshall, this is my question for you. Reading queer literature and more of it, I would say this year, you know, like I think also, not that you didn't read it before, but I know like, you know, I've been definitely suggesting more queer literature and definitely so has Brent. But my question isn't about the books you read. It's actually about how does it feel to have another member of our group not only be um, black, but also a part of the queer community. How do you feel like it's affected just your dynamic and then our dynamic? It's a good question. Um, it, how do I want to say this? So you're, you're, you're specifically asking how has this changed having Brent on the show now, right? For you. Yes. For me. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, to me, it's huge. Um, not only are we were able to do these uh, just keep writing while black, which Thank you, by the way, again, Will, for really sending me so many texts to make that happen. Um, and and it, it made me really understand that not only was I missing, I was missing a lot of things in my life, right? I'm, I'm raising a trans boy right now and very young, and I, am, I, I project on him a lot right? Like what, what I, I don't want him to deal with what I dealt with when I grew up period. Right. I was called everything under the sun and I'm, I'm 
you know, and I'm not queer, but that's what I was called all the time. Right. So that's something that I'm, that I was dealing with for me growing up. But at the same time, I don't, I want him to be able to live the life he wants to be able to live and I want to support him. Right. So having these conversations with Brent, sitting down with Nia and Shingai, um, and realizing that I don't have enough, God, this is going to sound lame. I don't have enough blackness in my life, period. Right. I live in a very small rural white community and it is rough here for queer kids. I, I run a, I run a club to try to make a space for those kids. And the impetus of me taking on that club was because of my kid. But at the same time, I, it's, 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 it's really having, having Brent here makes it easier for me to, I can text Brent and be like, dude, I, I, I need to figure out this or, and I haven't, maybe I haven't done this yet, obviously, but I'm saying I could, but having these conversations with you guys and being able to, try to navigate what I'm missing, but also anticipate what my kid might need is, is I feel like these conversations are really helping me with. Does that make sense? I don't know if it's answering your question per se, but having Brent here, I've never, and this is something I brought up uh, the other day to my students or to somebody, I don't remember what I was talking about, but I only had one black teacher in my life, period. And that wasn't until I got to college. And that wasn't until I got to UC Santa Cruz. I had done three years of junior college before that. I never had a black teacher. Right. Um, so I was always one of a few and it's usually me and my sister or my brother. Right. Um, so sitting here every week and talking to you guys, God, I can't even tell you how much I needed it. And I didn't realize it. You know what I mean? So I'm not trying to get sad, but I'm trying not to cry, but, um, just thinking, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a great answer. This is going to be an emotional episode because I have some tough questions. Okay. So Brent, uh, now you're in the hot seat. I, my question is for you is what has it been like for you to enter a space of not really knowing any of us or literally meeting us in person and you come on to the show and having another queer person um, then identifying with Marshall as, you know, part of the black community and then having someone who like Nick, who is completely probably in so many ways, so opposite, you know, especially on the surface level. Talk to me about that. So I guess this is where my childhood upbringing kind of gives me somewhat of an advantage because, um, I never had the luxury of being around the same group of people for very long. And you kind of learn that you have to not only um, enter a space authentically, but you also got to be, you know, quick in evaluating if it's a space that's for you. And I can say early on, I realized like, oh, this is definitely a space for me. This is a space that, you know, is, um, that was, you know, welcoming and um, affirming and very like, you know, just like, you know, inclusive and just, I mean, I I still struggle sometimes with being like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm still the new guy. And in my head, it's like, no, that doesn't make sense. You've been here a while. Why do you feel that way? But um, (laughs) 
but I never felt I never I never felt any like hostility to anything that I was thinking or any, you know if anything it was more like I always felt like oh we want to hear more from you we want to know more like tell us more like give us more suggestions so um yeah it was just it was always a very like affirming space and then you know having having someone on both sides where I could say these things whether it was like a queer issue or a black issue and just kind of knowing that at least if it wasn't entirely understood, it was it was something we could talk about from a space of commonality. So that was always good. And I mean, before I came onto the show, obviously I had I've had a lot of interactions with writers in the spec fic space. So I've kind of encountered, you know, all walks of life, but you know, just being able to have these kind of discussions, though, it, it's it's different than doing it on like a Twitter thread or like in a, a Slack group or whatever. These feel not that those don't feel real and organic, but this just feels more concrete to me. So, yeah, I think that I think, yeah, I think that's my answer to that question. So now, Nick, I'm going to you. My question is. How has it been for you growing up in, say, a very conservative place like Utah, not being around a lot of queer people? And then since this year that I've co-hosted and then Brent's come on since October, what has that journey been like for you? And I'm going to ask something specific. What has pleasantly surprised you the most? Man, loaded question. Um, just to throw out some, uh, geographical clarification there. I actually grew up in Washington state, still a decently conservative town. Um, was on the the east side of Washington state. Um, however, this group right here is my family reunions, my family parties I went to, right? Where, on my so I have a stepfather. He's been there since I was like two. He's a rock star. He's Hispanic. Um, so every time we got together with his side of the family, I think I think all three of his sisters, um, they all married black men. And so all my cousins were half Hispanic, half black. And then there were us. We were the white kids. Um, and all and, and I have a couple uh, cousins from that side of the family that are LGBTQ. So some of that just brings back family, brings home. Um, specifically, though, outside of that, um, you're right. I didn't have a lot of exposure um, to the LGBTQ community. Um, I come from a military background as well, which isn't friendly um, to that community, but is also homoerotic at the same time. So it's really confusing there. Um, and so coming off of that type of... <laughs> career you know staying in utah and then deciding hey like i'm gonna take my writing serious you know you're my first my, my first trip my first conference was writing excuses with marshall um you know and so slowly over the years i've i've been able to meet members of these uh, this community and really just step out of my 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 own headspace and be like, okay, this is someone who 
I may be interacting with for the next 10 years, like I need to put whatever biases that have been ingrained in me that have been learned or whatever. And I need to get to know them as a person. Um, and that's kind of, kind of just what I've done over the last few years, you know, let's not judge someone based on the labels that society has created. I want to get to know them as a person, as they identify themselves. Um, and so that's been pretty, pretty impactful for me. Um, well, I mean, we went to a, to a workshop together and, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of saw you from a distance. I was like, okay, like I don't have a lot of LGBTQ friends. Like I need to go make some, like, I don't, that's a community I have to write about. I want to include in my writing. Like I need to, I need to get to know more. So, um, I reached, I, you know, I, I went out and sought friendship with you and you were gracious enough to be cool and be kind and be nice. Sorry. I feel like I'm way off topic all of a sudden too. Um, you're not, you're fine. Yeah. So, but you know, bring it back to the podcast and, you know, um, it's been really nice having you on, um, just because, you know, we're, we are close, we are friends, um, and things like that. You've been able to help me see things differently than I have in the past. And then that's because I didn't have an understanding or, and I wasn't looking at it from the right viewpoint at times. Um, and obviously I've, I haven't come from a place of malice or anything like that um, with anything. So it's been real nice that way that you've understood and helped me unpack some things over the years, over the year. So I feel, I feel awesome. like I'm missing a part of that. You're not, this is just, the, you know, we're, this isn't scripted. So I just want emotion. So I want each of you to think of a question around queerness that you want to ask each person individually oh, while yeah. I ask the next questions. Okay. So just think about something that like, say Brent wants to ask me, Brent wants to ask Marshall, Brent wants to ask Nick, vice versa, but you have some, a minute. So I have another question. So Marshall, Let's talk about Bonds of Brass. What, when you were reading that, what was at the forefront of your mind? I, so when I was reading that book, what I, I don't want to say this. I, I really, I want, I wanted my kids to read it. I wanted both my kids to read it. Um, but more my, um, my youngest, my trans kid, because I wanted him to see there are people of color in a society trying to survive and making it and dealing with the anxiety. He deals with so much anxiety. He deals with so much um, uncertainty, especially with COVID and everything else. Like it's, it's been a lot. Um, but when I was reading that book, one of the things I do enjoy um watching with my kids is space fantasies, star Wars. We were watching, um, uh, right now we're watching the bad batch. We watched rebels and like, we watched She-Ra we've watched St Steven universe. Like these are the shows that I see my, I see him light up because he sees himself often. And I want him to get to the point to where he's confident enough to read this, this book in particular, because these are two queer boys having a space freaking adventure and saving the world and having an amazing time. 
And I want him to see that. I want him to see like you can face um, hardship and adversity and you can be young, you know, and you can, you can figure out a way to handle it. And so that was at the forefront of my mind. I, as I was reading it, um, I was talking to my wife about it often and I'm like, I just want, I want Zoe to read this book. I want Zoe to read this book. Um, he hasn't quite gotten there yet. I mean, again, he's, he'll be 10 in a few weeks. Um, and you know, he's not there yet, but I can't wait until he is, you know what I mean? Um, because I think he'll just, I think he'll just love it and I want him to be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So Nick, I want you to think of one book that you read starring queer characters. Actually, I'm going to pick it for you. A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. When you were reading that, what was at the forefront of your mind when it introduced queer characters? Yeah, well, I'm. we're going to have to cut this part, but you're going to have to tell me which character it was because... I don't feel like it was so like it. If you're asking me like, where was it that it struck me that this character was gay? I'm not, I'm going to be like, I don't know. No, actually Uh, I want to keep this part in because that's the beauty of the story. Okay. Because it wasn't Cal or Lila. No. And they're not. And they're the two main characters that you follow through. Um, It's it's, So You've stumped me on this one. So I don't, I don't know if that's, you want to say something, Brent? So this is probably a little, this is probably a deeper discussion, but, and I love V Schwab. So I hope this doesn't like reach her ears and piss her off. But I just, I take umbrage with the way she writes gay men. And I talk to me. I feel like, so, and this is, and it's not just her, this is an endemic of a lot of, I think, a lot of cis women when they attempt to write gay men, they mm-hmm. they absolve us of all our sexuality in a lot of ways. We become delicate flowers and and all we know is romance and and soft touches and longing stares. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, some of us just screw in the bathroom on the weekend at the club. That happens. <laughs> like and so actually this this is great that you say that because I want you to finish your thought because it gives me a great question to lead into you. Okay. So yeah, I just feel like sometimes like it's clear to me that I, I, I sometimes I wonder, I'm like, do you actually know any gay men like in depth? Like, and, and, and there's other sides to us. And I, and, and part of me understands it, right? You want to humanize us. You're trying to make it so that, you know, hetero audiences see us as like, you know, as people, you know, that aren't deviants and we're capable of romance and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. But it's also like you're erasing like large portions of our experience when you do that. Some of us just have sex to have sex because it's fun. Like we, we're not always looking for the love of our life. And, and, and I think you never really see that in the science fiction and fantasy literature I read, particularly when it's written by cis women. But So I have lots of feelings about that. Lots. Because when I hear that, okay, I feel like, could it be coming from a place of 
people who haven't been profoundly loved and have experienced that. And I asked this question because my experience has been on both ends, right? And I think a lot of times in literature, that is all we see from gay men. Right. Okay. Right. Well, that- from straight and gay, from, well, let me finish, from straight and gay people. And there was never this time to, I have yet to read a really profound love story that was difficult and true to with the experience that I had. So I don't know if it is it is it just telling an aspect of certain um, gay relationships, or do you think that that some people just want to fuck in the bathroom and be hedonistic is all of gay culture? I don't think it's or all the, of gay or the cu- majority of gay culture. I wouldn't even say the majority. I just think that it's it is part of the experience, and you don't ever see it. And I think the reason you don't ever see it is because there's still this idea that that that's not appropriate or like that's not the best way to portray like gay men in the public sphere. And it's like, well, no, that's very much part of our culture. It's one of those. And it's one of those, since we're talking about pride, it was one of those foundational things. We're going to put our sexuality out there in the open and we're, we're not going to like, you know, act like we don't do these things to make you feel more at ease and more comfortable and to sanitize us. But that's why I feel a lot of the, the, the gay relationships that I read do, it feels like a sanitization of it. Like, I think you can, it's entirely possible to find a profound love and to also have been screwing every weekend when you were in college or something. Like, I don't think the two have to be separate. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I really feel the majority of the media that we've seen up until recently has been all we've seen are uh, men constantly being promiscuous, constantly sleeping around, constantly um, fucking people in the club. And there has been very little representation of actual profound love. Now, if, if we want to talk all media then I agree with you. But if we're talking speculative fiction, I strongly disagree. Like that has not been the case of what I've read in speculative fiction. Speculative fiction, at least from what I've read for the most part, has been all flowers and love stories and and and, and delicate touches and kisses and longing stares and you're the first person I ever loved and we're going to be together forever type shit. And, mm-hmm. and I... And and to and also too it and the reason and the reason I like so like I think of Kai Shante Wilson, his felt authentic to me. There was love, but it was difficult. It did not come like with easy kisses and oh longing stares. It was a difficult romance, but it but it was there. And it's like you know, and I think sometimes too. When we, when we, again, I feel like it's sanitizing our experience. We're, we're disregarding the fact that like most gay men are coming into their adulthood with tons of trauma, tons of, tons of issues. And, and, and we, and it is something that we deal with and something we, 
we don't find rom- a lot of us don't find romances right away in the way that straight people do for those reasons. So I think it's not un I don't think it's untrue or you know unfair to have like a lot of experiences showing that you know showing gay men as adults exploring their sexuality and being like promiscuous or you know being in the clubs and whatnot because for uh, many of us myself included we got a whole decade plus of our year of our life taken away from us we didn't get to have the high school experience of crushes and dates and trying to figure out like what you liked and what you didn't like. We don't get to do that until we're in our twenties, but by then we're already screwed up in the head and we're not doing it necessarily in a healthy way right off the bat. And I don't think that gets, at least from what I've seen in science fiction and fantasy, you don't ever really see gay men dealing with those kind of issues. Okay. So I think I agree with you there. I think I understand what you're saying. Like in speculative and science fiction, you don't see that um, as much. Um, Marshall, you had wanted to say something. Well, I, this might be something we have to cut, but I just, uh, you said that you wanted us to think of questions, right. Um, for each other. And I, I knew I wanted to ask Brent a specific question. And, and since he, after what he just said, I think I've, kind of molded the question in a way that I think I want to throw out there. So I don't know when we want to do that or if now's the time or not, but Uh, no, do it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, look, man, I, um, here's what, here's what I want to throw out there because I, I, I follow you on Instagram and, and you and I've had many conversations and sometimes you'll throw out little things like gay black men, X, Y, and Z. And you might throw something, you, you know, you get kind of, you, you get kind of upset about something that is specific to the black queer community. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what I want to, the question I have for you uh, is, do you see an, in, in, in speculative fiction, um, those same things that you have a beef with or is, and, or is there anybody that has captured what you want or what you're having a, f- a frustration with in the stories that you've read. Does that make sense? Yes. No, that makes perfect sense. So, um, so my answer to that is, well, unfortunately with science fiction and fantasy, we are still at the baseline of even trying to get enough black gay men writing about black gay characters to even like really even have examples to pull from. I mean, we have we have Kashante Wilson, obviously he's brilliant. Um, we have Christopher Caldwell, he's more in the storytelling, um, short story realm, but he's he's also doing very good work. Um, I know Ryan Douglas has his horror YA coming out soon, so they're they're incoming, but there's not enough to really I think to have like a deep dive discussion. I know there's also Sam Delaney, he's classic, obviously, so you can't. Oh you yeah, know, yeah. yeah. But I still don't, I mean, at least for me, I don't feel like there's enough of a canon necessarily to really, to really dissect that. I feel like we're just still in the very like infant stages of having enough black gay speculative fiction by black gay men to really kind of have that talk. Um, But it's funny you mentioned Bonds of Brass because that, I remember that there was a bit of controversy with that book because a lot of black gay male authors were upset about it because it's like damn 
We didn't even get the chance to tell this story. They sold it to a white woman and she's making bank off of it. Like we can't even tell our own stories. We're out here struggling in these query trenches, trying to even get an agent, let alone sell a book. And a white woman decides to tell our story and she gets paid for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, so I, I definitely, I guess, I guess to answer your question, I don't feel like there's enough material yet for me to really make the, make those deeper critiques. But right. what I have seen, at least from the ones I named, I'm hopeful that, you know, we'll get some of that more raw, like deeper intersectional stuff that um, that I know secular fiction is really capable of doing. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not. But No, it, it does. And I, I just I, I've seen you make a distinction between like white queer culture and black queer culture. And so. I'm so just, <laughs> it's, 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 and I mean, obviously, obviously it would be yeah. different. Right. Yeah. And I just find it, I just find it all really, I find it really interesting and mostly because, um, I'm trying to support, you know, students plus my son, you know, as they get older too. And I'm, and I am talking to students that come back and, and talk to me about things too. So I just, I, any, any, anything I can get, I, I, I'm trying to make sure that I understand, you know what I mean? So I, yeah, I yeah. always appreciate, I always appreciate how blunt you are about, about how you feel about these things. Cause it's important. It's important to just like not beat around the bush and be like, okay, this is it. You know, yeah. black queer people do this, white queer people do this. And this is the way it is, you know, kind of thing for you in your experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience for sure. And I mean, I, I kind of feel like I have to be that blunt about it sometimes mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, Unfortunately, I think when you're when you're black and you're queer, you're having to you're dealing with very stubborn people on both sides of the equation. And you have to just be like blunt and just put it out there. And you like you You like it or you hate it. But you have to be blunt. (laughs) For sure. All right. So who wants to ask a question next? Ooh, um, go ahead. Go ahead, Brent. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of okay, so I will say this. Yes, this is a this is probably going to be an emotional question, Marshall. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lay into it. So, um, well, first I'm gonna start off with a statement. I will tell you right now, I would be a much much different man if, and this isn't God. I hope this doesn't come across as slandering my parents because I don't want it to be that way, but. If I had a dad and a mom that just were as affirming of me at that age as you are with your kid, that would have, I'd be a much different person. So um, I'd have to, I mean, I've never said it before, but uh, that just, yeah, it just made my heart swell hearing that the first time you watch your kid up. So um, yeah, so I had to say that, but um, okay, so a hopeful question. What, 10 years from now, where do you want your trans son to be at? Uh, uh, honestly, um, and I do appreciate, I do appreciate you saying that. Um, and that's something, I mean, we've, we've butted heads against family members that were like, and at the time, she's too young. She doesn't know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, how dare you tell me what my kid needs? Right? right. How dare you? How dare you come at me and my parenting? Right? right. Um, if my kid needs a thing or says that he is a thing or is needs to be something, then I'm going to 
do my damnedest to make sure that they get to be um, who they need to be. Um, and that was, and only, and I, and I, I got to bring this up because it's pride month. Um, and it's something I'm really, and speaking of try not to slander your parents, um, my parents, um, although they ex- accepted, my sister came out years ago as well. Um, and has since married, um, married a guy and has, and has a kid actually has a second one coming. Um, but you know, so we've, and you know, both sides of my family have queer folks, right. But like the trans thing was really difficult. Right. And, and just because, and only, only if just, if all I want to say is the difficult part is just getting the damn pronouns, right. Like that's been a struggle and it's been a struggle up until my parents were just up this last weekend. And I, I meant to double check with my wife, but they didn't screw up one time this time. Not once. Nobody did. And I I honestly think that they're finally, and this goes with my and my in-laws for the same. They haven't screwed up in a long time. Um, and I and I really believe that it's they're doing what we suggested they do. How about you use the right, you know, his pronouns when he's not around? when you speak anytime you speak about him. Right. Um, and I, I, it, it was, and I thought about it. I think it was sometimes Sunday cause they, they came up Friday night. Um, and I thought about sometimes Sunday, I was like, they have not one, one time screwed up. They've said, all right, kids, let's do this. All right, kids, let's do this. And they've used the same, you know, because they used to say, all right, girls, you know, whatever. And it's like, that would drive us crazy. And up until very, you know, and we've been apart from them since we have not seen them since last February. And so that was huge. Right. Um, but to go back to what your actual question, because I just, I, I had to throw that out here. Um, in 10 years, shit, he'll be almost 20. Why um, fuck. Um, I, I want him to be wherever he wants to be. But on top of that, I want him to feel confident. I want I want all of the support from my my family and the and and his friends and um and and the small close knit community that we've created kind of around him to make him feel confident enough to to drop some of the anxiety to really be who he wants to be and not filter and falter and 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 he stumbles a lot because he's worried. He's so worried about everything because he doesn't know. Right. So where, where I want him to be, I know he's, he's, he's very creative. I think (laughs) even though he's very anxious, he loves to dance around and perform and he sings and he does all this stuff. And it's like, he's always been so anxious to do it, but it's like, I feel like that's something he's going to end up doing too. But I want him to be, excited to go to college. He's like, well, I'm never going to leave home. And you know, cause that's the anxiety part, but it's like, yeah. I want, I want him to go out. I want him to go to college. I want him to go to and be what he wants to be, you know? And, and I hope that he looks back and, and, and says the opposite of what you just said, Brent, which breaks my heart. Right. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, I want him to look back and say, you know, because of that support, because of, we never wavered when this, and you know, we, we had some ideas, but, he was seven. I want to say when he finally just had the confidence to say like, Hey, this is who I, who I am. 
And we're like, all right, cool. And so we got to figure out some stuff down the line, you know, with, you know, if he wants to do blockers and stuff like that. But like, that's all stuff that he gets to decide, right? Um, so to answer your question, I want him to be where he wants to be. And I'm going to be right right there regardless. So I don't care what that looks like. <laughs> that, it's sappy, but it's no, sappy. That's, but, that's you a know. great answer. That's such a great answer. Oh, I'm over here getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, man. I got one eye leaking a little I bit. Got, I'm over here like, I'm dead. I'm <laughs> Nick, you got something to say. Go ahead. I do. The, Brent, you asked the perfect question because my question for you, Marshall. Oh, um, man. I'm under the hot seat. You are. Um, it's a perfect follow-up question. Um, so I, I want to know as writers and as friends how we can be um, what can we do to help your son reach that point where you want him to be in the next 10 years? Honestly, he, the kid reads a ton. He loves graphic novels. He reads, he watches TV. He loves speculative fiction. Um, I just want him to keep, I want you guys, I want you guys to create something that he can consume. That's what I need from you. <laughs> I want I want him to cons- I want him to be able to consume something from people that he knows or knows tangentially through me, and I can say, "Oh my God, my buddy Brent wrote this thing. You got to read this thing," and he'll be like, "Holy shit, this thing is amazing! I see myself in this thing." And that's what that's what I need from you guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the community part. I need you guys to I need you guys to just oh God, not to be cheesy, keep writing, but um, I need you guys to freaking produce <laughs> and 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 give him something that he can see himself in because that's that's what we all want right i mean that's something that i feel like is getting so much better but it's not it's not not everybody is is as has so much to choose from right now you know what i mean so i think that um i think that he needs more yeah love it i will do my best um all right that's your task buddy Done. Writing it down. Because when you write it down, you you do it, right? It becomes a thing. Exactly. <laughs> Will, can I can I ask another question? Yeah, it's we're all, everyone's supposed to ask each other each question. So everyone should have three questions. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were only asking one person. Okay. Nope, you're um, asking everyone. Well, my my next question is for you, Will, as perfect as it is to Marshall's response or Marshall's response to my question. Um, I'll follow up to you. Marshall is asking, you know, for us to be able to write something that his child can consume and see themselves in. So my question to you is what are some ways that a cisgender writer can incorporate the LGBTQ um, community in their writing without having to, without trying to tell their story? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I think one, just be inclusive and add people. And I think the idea of telling someone's story, and I probably will have people who disagree with me. Um, I think it's important to tell stories of people who are unlike you and that you try your best to do it. And if it's going to publication, I don't think if as a straight cisgendered person, 
do I necessarily think, I think you should be very cautious about telling someone's coming out story or telling a story of what it's like to go through life as someone who's gay or bi or anything, anyone who fits under that queer umbrella. But I think all I'm asking is for people to write the world as it is with nuances and everything. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that you could do is to really like write it with nuance and to break stereotypes. So write in a way that kind of gets rid of the white default, would you say? I mean, I mean, I mean, I know I, I think it's just writing the world as it is. Yeah. I guess the white default, like it's, it's hard for me to actually, I feel like answer this. Cause I, when I write, I try to write as the world is, I have friends who are totally different than me. I live yeah. in a city that is so multicultural that I'm influenced by everything. I also grew up in a black neighborhood, you know, um, yeah. and I had all these experiences really young. So the idea that I didn't see these characters when I was growing up struck me as really odd. And I was usually, if I was around mostly white people, this is a great example of Buffy. When Kendra died, the first thing I said, I was like, of course they killed the black girl. Like, of course you actually have one black girl and she's dead. And it was the same thing of, Willow and Tara. Of course, Tara died. Of course. And the sad thing is, is Tara died right around probably when Michael passed away. Right. So it was all of these things that I think I just kept seeing that if you're in a gay relationship, it, it can't be profound love. It can't be um, special and tragedy has to happen, right? So much so that when tragedy happened to me, it was through my lens of, of course it happened. And that's not reality. So I think it's important to just make your worlds as broad as possible without trying to tell specifically queer stories. But I'll also say this. I think if you have a writer who is sensitive and talented enough, I think you can have people who can capture things really beautifully. And I think this is where it comes down to the publishing world, to Brent's point about Bonds of Brass. Was it Emily's intention to, first of all, I don't know her intention. That's number one. Was it her intention maybe to um, try to tell this Black character's story in science fiction where she felt she was robbing it of others, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming no. I think she was trying to write inclusively and really write broadly and try to do it well. It's upsetting because when you actually have people who are Black and queer, they can't even get a dent into it. So I would say instead of being upset with Emily, we need to really put pressure on as many people of editors um, and the publishing houses, sales and marketing, and ask them why. For every white person like Emily who's tried to write inclusively, they should have 20 of those 
Black gay authors publishing books in speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. Right? This is how we should look at it. And I think that is the biggest thing that we can do. I think about this a lot for when I make it, right? I feel like it will be my job, my responsibility to always be a voice for people who haven't had a chance at it, you know, and to champion those books that are part of my queer community, but specifically like black trans women, right? Like, like when you, when you talk about like on the lowest totem pole of society, it is black trans women, right? So that's one thing that I can do. And I can uplift every single person who needs to be uplifted, you know, and I will, and you know, you of course want to promote your friends and of course I would, but you try to pull people and so that they get the light. So for each light, and I've made this decision early on for any, if God willing, my book comes out and it happens, I will make sure that I always talk about someone in the queer community, someone in the black community, someone in the trans community, and they will most likely, because of the way that I read, it's going to probably be a lot of intersectionality. Because when Brent talked about, um, like, if you're reading actually a lot of black writers, you're probably reading a lot of, probably you are reading the best works on there. And that is literally what I've surrounded myself with for the last five years. Because it was the one time, okay, that I've actually even remotely have seen New York represented in the way that it is. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And it gives me a lot to think about, um, you know, not only for myself and my writing, but, you know, how, how do I want to represent myself once I make it as well? You know, who, who do I want to bring up with me? And like, how do I help other communities, other groups be lifted as well? So Love it. Um, I'd actually like Brent. Like, what do you do? You think I'm missing anything when I say that? When I talk about it that way? No, I think I I do think the honest needs to be more on the publishers than the authors for sure, because publishers. Well, and and it kind of goes back to I guess my umbrage that I take sometimes with the with the way that I think gay men are sometimes written, but I think that's because the people in the publishing structure like to see us written in a certain way. So those are the books that get purchased and those books tend to not be written by us. So, you know, I think it is part of the, yeah, the honest should definitely be on, you know, publishing and what they're choosing and how they're choosing it and why they're choosing it. And Brent, you you brought this up a second time is how, you know, um, gay men are portrayed and stuff like that. And you brought, um, you know, the guys that just want to hook up in the club on the weekend, uh, you know, that that type of mentality. It reminds me of our favorite show, How to Get Away with Murder, right? Um, you have yeah, two yeah. very different, I guess you could say, stereotypes of gay men in that show and how they inter- interacted with each other. Every time you bring it up, I'm just like, you're right. You're like, we do not see that main character and how he's acting. I, like, I've never seen, I haven't seen it in the book. Granted, I'm not as well read as you guys are. Um, you know, in this, so like it, it's a very interesting point that you bring up that we're we're just now seeing that on TV and in movies and stuff like that. Um, I feel like yeah, like I've never seen a Carna Walsh in in a in a science fiction or fantasy book, 
Like I've never, I've, I've never seen that. I've also never, but, and you know, I've also never seen that guy fall in love with an Oliver either in, in science fiction or fantasy either. And, and I think I was on the panel the other day where, um, uh, Craig Gitney, he brought up a great point too. He was like, I don't just want to see us. Well, he was like, if we do fall in love, I don't want it just being the hot gays that fall in love. Like, we come in all body types and shapes just like everybody else. We all don't go to the gym. Some of us eat donuts. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> to his point, he was like, you know, the 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 kind of relationships that you are getting to see on both sides of the equation are just very, like, very stereotypical in terms of, like, how body image is presented. And that's that's a whole nother conversation. But. Yeah, all to say that we still have a lot of room for growth in how um, gay men are portrayed. All right, Marshall, you also need to ask me and Nick a question. Yeah, um, I'm gonna start with you, um, and it's and, and it has to do with uh, no, it, it has to do with what we're talking about, but also has to do with um, you uh, coming onto this podcast as well read as you are. Um, and before Brent got here, um, and, and coming in the dyna- the dynamic between, you know, me and Nick, right. Um, I guess what I want to, I guess what I want to ask you is, do you think that, how do I want to phrase this? This is going to be interesting. Um, what do you think your impact has been on us? And I, and I, and I'm only, and I'm asking you this because, um, I feel like you've had a great impact on this group and this dynamic, but because you are who you are, what do you think you've brought to this group? And have you seen a change since you've been here um, in how we interact and, or how, um, how we've changed in our conversations together? I don't I'm, actually I'm letting you pat yourself on the back a little bit at the same time. Uh, just so you know, it's a, it's a weird question, but I want you to acknowledge the impact that you've had is what I'm, is what I'm going for here. Please pat yourself on okay. the back. I I'm not good at that. I know. I would say, I don't think about the impact that I have because I feel like the three of you impact me in such profound ways that I feel really true that we are all brought together for a reason and that I am my higher self and I am pushed to my higher self with every conversation that we have, especially when I don't necessarily agree with you or you push me to think in another way. Because sometimes I think as human beings, we can all be really rigid in our thinking and really like, no, this is it. And when it comes from people that you respect and love and they're wonderful people, I feel more humbled by having the three of you in my life and being on the podcast. So that is why I don't really ever think I have an impact. I feel like 
you are all doing more of a service of building a better me than I could ever do. Well, I, I need you to know that uh, I'm not sure where we would be if you weren't here. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're sitting here having another Pride episode and a year has gone by. And the if, if you go back and listen to that episode, what, 37? You go back and listen yeah. to episode 37 and you listen to the Nick and the Will and the Marshall of this episode, um, it's, it, it's hard to believe it's only been a year. And I know we're getting a little sappy here, but at the same time, like, honestly, I, to me, it's, to me, it's huge. I've leaned on you guys more than, I don't know what I would have done if you guys weren't here and you keeping us consistent and all this is super important. So we're talking about pride here, right? And so I'm bringing it back and I'm going to throw a question at Nick here, but he has something to say. So go ahead, Nick. I'm telling off you, Marshall, and yelling at Will as well to let him know the the impact that he has had. I mean, we all know you are a big personality and a strong personality, but you also are a personality that comes from love um, and peace and acceptance. I'm going to say this. I would not be where I am today without your impact on me in my life. Like, Damn it. That was my question. Oh, okay. Well, you want to say your question? I'll give you my... No, no. My question really uh, is based off what Will just said, um, I've seen a profound change in you. And I knew you a year, almost a year probably between you know you meeting Will and us having this whole podcast and stuff. So I want to know, like, because we're talking about pride and do you, how, how do you feel when we are having these conversations now and how much of that is because of will <laughs> and really because of will being as amazing as he is and making a, asking these questions and, and making us and making you think about these things. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 No, I can definitely talk to that too. Um, I mean, will will's impact on me um, really hit hard during our last episode during pride uh will and i we were talking for a few months we went through futurescapes together that year um so it wasn't like out of the ordinary to have conversations with you um you know but pride you really put me on my toes on that one um one of i think that episode is really where i feel like i stopped doing a lip service to what um you know stop doing a lip service for my intentions on writing LGBTQ characters. And, you know, I, you know, I didn't realize it at the time I was just saying it, not really living it um, in a sense, but you, we were talking about Gideon the ninth and it was at that point when you, and I'm going to get to it here in a second. You mentioned that was the first time in your life at your ripe old age of 20 um, <laughs> times, whatever. Um, that <laughs> you you'd seen yourself in a book in a character and for some reason that hit me like a ton of bricks that as well read as you are it wasn't until like 20 2019 um 2018 when getting the ninth came out 2019 and you said that was the first time you saw yourself in a character in a book and that's really that's I think at that point 
I really changed for the better of really looking at these situations and taking them very seriously of knowing, Hey, what I'm writing and what I'm reading is directly affecting will, you know, now, and now in that sense, it's directly affecting Brent. It's directly for affecting Marshall and his family. Like I really started taking my reading seriously and what in my writings a lot more seriously to, to be an ally to the, this community. Does that answer your question, Marshall? Yes, sir. It does. Yeah, I want to just comment on Gideon because I did see an aspect of myself, I think, because it was ridiculous. And it was just that book is just bonkers and <laughs> hilarious. Um, I will, to Brent's point, um, Kai Shanti Wilson, right? Wilson's his last name, right, Brent? Yes, yeah. yeah. That actually was one of the first books that I think I saw another aspect of just being gay, you know, that was messy and complicated because relationships are messy and complicated. Um, And it probably was the first time it freed me in a lot of way in my writing too, just like Gideon did in a different way. I still don't think until I guess what I'm writing, what I'm writing that I ever felt like I've seen a profound sense of love that's complicated and that I experienced early on. Um, thanks for the compliments. I wasn't expecting that and we can move on. Um, so Brent, you, well, here's the thing, buddy, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, before you move on, I'm throwing this out there at you because uh, you, you look, you threw this episode at us. We were supposed to record a different episode tonight behind the curtain. Here we are. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to record a different episode. He threw this at us and will loves to ask these questions of us. And I, I don't have any problem answering them, but I'm glad that we actually got to throw something a little bit back at you and make you talk about yourself because you don't give yourself enough credit. Um, and, and I don't think it, I honestly, I don't think any of us give ourselves enough credit sometimes. Um, I think that's why I think you're right. I think we all have come together for a reason and we're all here to bring each other up and, and hold each other up. So I didn't want to let you move on before I told you that how much I appreciate all of you, but also I'm glad we had that conversation and I got to see your face and nobody's benefiting from the video feed, although I'm secretly recording it. Um, so we'll see what happens later okay. for our patrons. Okay. <laughs> All right. You can move on now. So Brent, you have two questions. You have to ask <laughs> me and Nick. Yes. So yes, I do. So I will start with you, Will. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, we've actually been talking about things that we wish we saw more of. I know I've been doing a lot of talking about that. So what do you, want to see more of when it comes to the portrayal of uh, queer people in general in speculative fiction? What do I want to say? I think to your point, I think we, I do, we do need to say like when I was like asking that hard question was like, I disagree with you. I think we definitely need to see nuanced relationships and with the gay community, not just these longingly stares. I think we need to see complex relationships. What I would like to also see, and I think this is specifically, I think from my experience, 
I think when a lot of people meet me or are introduced to me, they form this picture in their head of what I should be. And nine times out of 10, I don't check their boxes of what I should be. And I'm going to give you an example. When I speak, you can clearly tell I'm gay, right? And this would used to torture me as a kid. Because when I speak, I don't hear that lisp or that like effeminate sound, right? And I was going for a little bit in my like, like around 20 to a dialect coach to get rid of it. And then the person I was dating said, why? Why are you doing that? And then he said something else. He said, you know what's the most radical thing you can do? It's to accept yourself as the way you are. Because when people hear that from me, or effeminate gestures, they automatically think what I'm into sexually, being in a gay relationship. They automatically think that this is my personality, that I'm docile, or that I can only talk about like fashion, hair, makeup, pop culture, or like that I was um, constantly going out and partying. And what was irritating, and it is still to this day, that when people find out I have four different black belts, when people hear that I play music, or that I write, or that I have a degree in biochemistry, it's constantly this feeling that I don't check their boxes. And it is disheartening but it's also fucking annoying. I'm sorry that my strength of character and my personality makes you feel less than because that was not my point. My point was to say that you can experience everything in life and you can be whatever you want. And I will just not be dictated by what you think I should be. And I think that's what we need to see in the queer community, okay? I think we need to see people who are multifaceted and do not fit in a box because this is where I really agree, really agree with Brent. We are only seeing like the cute people get together. We don't see, you know, the people who are just like average Joe or the people who are quote unquote, not attractive by society standards have someone who's really attractive by their side. You know, or that if someone is effeminate, okay, that makes them weak and docile because I've thrown down with plenty of taller, bigger, stronger, masculine men that I've beaten the shit out of, okay, and also fucked. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I think we need to see more nuanced stories and more of an array of the uh, queer community and do so with purpose and thoughtfulness and strength. Yep. That's my answer. answer. That was a good one. 
That was a good answer. Yes, I'm in 100% agreement. Yeah, I have. I, I definitely have thoughts. I'm in total agreement with you. Um, okay, so I got to ask Nick a question. All right. Uh, so, Nick. All right. So, I know you beat yourself up quite a bit, but you shouldn't. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, you give yourself some credit. Like, you... And I, I mean, this this question, I guess, is probably going to be a little emotional, too. But you know what? I'm going to ask it because I what I have seen from you is um, I, I know a lot of people, straight people that would have gotten challenged on some of the things that I've seen you get challenged on and who would have put up walls, who would have got defensive, who would have walked away from the conversation, who would have you know, made some snarky comment or anything like that. So my question to you is how do you like keep an open heart when you hear these conversations and when things are said to you that may not, they, that may be a little rough to hear. Wow. God, that's a good question. Yeah, it is, man. (laughs) Um, It's funny though, because you say, you know, you've heard heard me get challenged on some things and I don't feel like maybe I have, but like, I'm just in that point of like, when someone challenges me on something, I'm just like, all right, cool. Teach me. Like, let's learn. Right. I, and I think, you know, that's just kind of my mindset because it's, you know, being involved in the LGBTQ community as, as trying to be an ally and becoming an ally. Right. Like, I just don't know a lot. Like, I don't, I, I didn't grow up with the best friend that was um, gay or trans or anything like that. Right. Um, and it kind of, man, I would say I just naturally have that type of personality where I can take some beatings verbally and just still be able to go and like take it with a grain of salt and just be like, all right, cool. Like I'll learn from it. Um, cause I've got another friend of mine who straight up says, you're the only person that I can be brutally honest with. And you don't try to fight back and you don't get defensive. It's like, well, if you have a problem for one, let's talk, right? Uh, you, we're going to hear each other's side, but you're saying something for a reason. So it must mean like I can learn from that. So I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. You caught me off guard on this one. You might have to re-ask the question. I'm, I'm scrambling over here. Well, can I can I add something just because I know Nick and because I I have a lot of um and as I've said multiple times I live in a very conservative community uh half I I would say all but maybe one or two of the questions Will has ever asked you Nick if I were to turn around and ask any of my conservative friends that same exact question they would have lost their fucking shit they would either stormed off. They would have hung up whatever zoom call we were on. They would have hollered at me and say, I'm not racist or some shit like that. Right. Or I'm not, I'm not homophobic or how dare you, you know, yep. but you, you have, you have this way about you. And I think that's why we, we were sitting on that fucking beach together and you're asking me these questions and you asked me some of the questions you asked me were so sideways. I'm just like, I'm like, I could get mad right now, but I'm like, but this guy is not trying to be a dick. He's not racist in the way that I know he's trying to ask me. He's really trying to understand. 
And so I, I, I don't know. It says something about you because I've had countless conversations in the last few years with conservative folks and I have had to give up because there's no scenario where those folks come away uh, from that conversation. The, the way they, the way that I come away for those conversations with you yeah. right? or that I hear somebody ask you a question and, and, and we're good. Right. I I'm I'm I will still talk to some of these people I'm talking about right now, but like you're, you're we're not, you're not good. good. I just don't want to ever have that conversation again with them. You know what I mean? And I think that says something about yeah. you, Nick. So I don't I don't know. I I, I love that question. Mike, I, I appreciate you it. See it too, right? Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 so crazy. And you and you mentioned you know how do I approach things with such an open heart? And I really at the end of the day, religiously, right? Like, um. Well, uh, I'm going to let you actually talk first because you have your hand up. <laughs> you just said religiously and then yeah. you stopped. So I think you have to finish no, that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to plan out that thought first. Um, okay. So, right. so Will, you, your hand's raised here. I think it can't, when you, when you, when you say things or you ask things and I confront you with certain things, <laughs> um, the thing is, is that with Nick, it comes from the most purest place of mm. curiosity and sometimes naiveness. And the measure of a strength of a man isn't about knowing everything that's right. It's about knowing when you don't know and when you mess up, you do better. That is the strength of a man's character and a woman character and a non-binary character, anyone. <laughs> but that that is really truly of someone who is of true of spirit and can mess up and cuz we all do cuz we're all human none of us are perfect i don't think anyone right. knows everything all the time and there's constantly ways that we're learning and i think also nick is having the strength to be vulnerable and to say i don't know this and if i'm sorry if i came across offensive or that was never my intention and i know i did and i will do better I think everyone can listen to our episodes. Um, and if you can internalize that, you'll be, I just think a better human being. No, I, yeah. I, I think, I think you encapsulated it. Will honestly, I mean, and that's the thing it's, it's, and that's why when I was, we were having those conversations when I first met him, it's like, it wasn't the, really, it was just, it was pure curiosity. It was curiosity. It was like, I'm going to ask this black guy who I just met all these questions because I need to know these questions and I feel safe with them. And I was like, okay, well that question's kind of offensive, but I know it's from a place of curiosity and not of, you know, anything else but that, like he just needed to know cause he wanted to be better. And I think that's huge. I, yeah. And you've come and that was three years ago. Can you believe Nicholas. that? Can you <laughs> believe that? So my, it, it, it's totally weird. Yeah, I can believe it. And it's because of those conversations with you, Marshall, that really, you know, and with you as well, Will, um, that have really helped me be more open uh, in in being, I guess you say, like meeting people and acquaintance with people and like getting rid of my own biases. Uh, yeah, biases that, um, that I had previously. I think one of the one of the, the stronger points of being able to have an open heart in in, in all of this is admitting that I've been taught wrong um, along the way, right? That I've learned things incorrectly. 
um, back to, you know, religiously, you know, I want to be as close as living a Christ-like love to my fellow man as possible. And in order for me to do that, that goes like treating everyone with kindness and respect and love and just plain trying to understand them at, you know, every level that I can. I feel like that's the only way I could live a Christ-like love life, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, a being yeah, just yeah. changing changing everything has changed a lot for me. So, Brent, did that answer all of your question there? Awesome. Yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Man, y'all, well, y'all got me sweating bullets over here. I've, um, how does everyone feel about this episode? Uh, yeah, I, I was just gonna say uh, I keep opening my door periodically because I'm like sweating, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think. Um, I think this was great. I think this episode is a perfect way to start Pride Month of episodes. Um, we we all put ourselves out there. Um, we got to ask each other hard questions, but we also know that we're all, I feel like we're all here. We've all kind of come to a consensus that we're all here for a reason together, which I love, Will. So thank you for putting that out there. Like It makes me feel like, all right, well even though this didn't work out, this didn't work out, or this is freaking hard as hell. Like, all right, we're, we're, we're the four of us are here for a reason. Yeah. And I, and I think this is important. Um, so yeah, I, it, is there some other way? Well, this might be off mic, but what do you want to do? How do you want to wrap these up? This up? Just your thoughts on the episode and to kick off pride. Mm-hmm. Just what I asked. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. No, I'm going to, I just, Closing thoughts. Anyone? I want to shout out Brent though, because Brent, as you mentioned, is like quote unquote the new guy. But having you jump in um, with the three of us, <laughs> like I don't feel like it has been hard or difficult. Like it's really nice being able to have someone else come in and add to our group, and like blend it just blended perfectly at the time. Like so, I. I appreciate everything that you've done with us, being here with us. I really feel like you, you've you definitely elevated me um, in ways I don't even know yet. But I know when I'm writing, I'm like, oh, hey, Brent said this this one time. Like, I got to remember this. So, uh, you know, I just want to express my appreciation um, uh, for you in, in this episode uh, and things like that. Because I know you, you and Will are definitely big parts of my life now. And. Marshall, three years running. You can't break up with me now. So, I know, right? <laughs> I oh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I, you know, what's funny though? Uh, I'm, I'm joking, obviously. But what's funny is when Brent started guesting on the on the shows, uh, Will kept texting me and saying like, "We should, we should invite Brent. We should invite Brent to be a full time host." And I was like. I don't know, man. He's he's editing. He's busy. He's doing all these things. I'm just like, I don't I don't want to I don't want to take up more of his time. Blah, blah blah that kind of thing. And and I'm really glad I stopped saying that. I'm just glad that I was just like, you know what? Like, you're right. He needs to Will be was around right us. Again. <laughs> Will was right again, <laughs> which should be the name of the episode. Will was right again. Um, but uh, but Will was right. And and um. And, and I appreciate all three of you more than I can tell you. So 
Uh, I cannot wait to see what the rest of the Pride episodes are. I know we have to still bamboozle my wife into coming on here for an episode. So that should be entertaining. Um, but we have a lot more in store for, for Pride Month. So definitely uh, stay tuned for sure. And I want to close out with Brent too, what he thought mm-hmm. of the episode. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this was great. I mean, I love the, um, I love these conversations that we have and like, I just love we can go into all these uh, nuanced places. And what I also appreciate as a um, as a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve and who's had to kind of relearn that trait, because um, I know Will talked about, you know, people's expectations. Well, people's expectations of me as being a more masculine, I guess, supposedly whatever gay guy is that um, you don't really show those emotions as much. And I very much am an emotional guy and I wear it on my sleeve. So it's... um. It's nice to be in a space where everybody does that, and it's and it's not it's not judged, and it's not you know it's welcomed. So you know, as um, not only as a black man but also as a gay man, it's a, a it's appreciated. So I just like yeah, I just like that we could just be honest and open, and it was a great discussion. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing. (laughs) 